it's been difficult because of what I what happens in that is that I put I found that I put myself in the position of feeling lonely because I wasn't willing to reach out and have conversations and just catch up. Um, I almost created the feeling of loneliness for myself when I knew I had people. I just refused to make that call. going on everyone welcome back to another episode of the modern mask unity podcast i'm your co-host coach kyle what's going on my people it's uh anwar ahmed aka a squared and today we want to unpack a very common theme that we come across especially at this time of year uh, is the difference between being alone and being lonely such an interesting concept and distinction they're very important distinction i might add we want to unpack that. We want to unpack the importance of understanding the difference, knowing maybe the intention or purpose uh, around being alone or feeling lonely, uh, maybe even n- learning how to navigate those experiences in different ways based on our perspective and our personal experience of being alone and also being lonely. So that's the conversation for today. But before we do that, you know what time it is. It's always starting off with Moo. Check. what's going on my man what is going on mood check everyone what's your mood like i feel like you left everybody hanging hanging there for a second i was like are we uh-oh uh-oh leave him on the edge leave him on the edge check. i was here for it i don't know if it was a delay in the audio but i was like let's go i'm ramping up the energy here <laughs> got to it's like the one time a week i get to see if uh, my voice is getting any better but Ooh, see if those singing lessons are paying off lateral yeah. progress lateral lateral progress absolutely one day i'm going to come in here though and you guys are going to be like what happened to him that that, <laughs> that had some real and i'm going to be like yeah tr- i'm training now for just for absolutely the uh pun intended. pun in tech pun intended pun in tech uh, Muchak, Muchak. All right. How am I feeling today? My mood today, folks, is mm, it is feeling a little bit nervous, nervous, and the way I'm I'm phrasing it as nerves because I don't think it's anxiety, and I also think that it's probably more excitement than anything. I feel like there's a lot of shifts about to happen for me in many different ways. And uh, I think it's a powerful time. I think my life is headed in a pretty incredible direction on top of kind of already where I'm at being in Costa Rica at the moment. So I think there's so much coming and I'm allowing and inviting more in. So I'm excited about that, but I'm also nervous about it all, nervous about the process, nervous about my experience. So it uh, is nervous. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Current Muchek right now is nervous. nervous and do you have a home for the nerves or just an over overarching feeling of nervousness or you mean a physical home say that what's that you mean like a physical home in my body yeah just if you're what's causing the nerves what's where is the nervousness coming from 
Um, a lot of things I actually don't feel prepared to speak about today, actually. Uh, there's a lot of things that I'm kind of working mm. on specifically business-wise that I feel vulnerable about still. So I'm moving through those feelings, those emotions, and those thoughts, uh, just trying to bring them all together and gather them into uh, the right places, if you will, put my sorts back into their sorts and give myself the freedom and the space to be able to do so. So I've been able to slowly get there. And I feel like, you know, uh, having that conversation at this point um, would feel uh, more, it would fuel the nerves more and it would create a little bit more of a discomfort. I think at this point, I'm working through them really well, I feel. So I'm just giving them the space to move through me and uh, yeah, process as I go. So um, exciting things and I feel very excited about it. And maybe by the time this episode releases, they'll be already out. But uh, yeah, for now, I think I'm gonna um, move through them. Yeah, just gonna move through them. I like the... Um how you said that nerve that it could feel more nervousness. I think that there's a lot of truth there. I think sometimes when we get really nervous and we start to overshare the pressure of oversharing actually makes it worse. Um, mm -hmm. so there's a really good, there's a really good share in that, um, that the nerve sometimes you kind of do need to, and I'm like that too. I need to breathe in my own nerves and be able to just manage it myself and plan around myself because I'm already nervous and I'm already kind of, you know, I'm not spinning out, but um, I'm feeling a little bit rocky. Uh, so if I do share and whatever this person throws back at me spins me out, then I feel like now I've lost control and I had control over the nerves. Like they were there, I had control over them. I felt okay, <laughs> and then I, you know, shared to somebody that I was nervous, and then I shared one little one one bit too much information, and then now they're bombarding me with something else that I didn't perceive or have in my mind, and now I'm like spinning out because I, I was already nervous, and now this has made it even worse. So that's a really good mm -hmm. share there in terms of just like, yeah, the, it could fuel the nerves more. Um, and I share that to say, you know, sometimes sharing too much, we're in a space of vulnerability and all that kind of stuff, but there is nuances in life sometimes. And this is where I always try to find, like, where is the line of vulnerability? Because for me, it, there is things that I'm like, I need to deal with this on my own. This is not something mm -hmm. I, I want to share with you. Like, I, let me just work through this. Um, but then you have to couple that with being radically transparent with yourself and knowing when it's beyond your grasp and when you need a little bit more help. You need someone to step in. You need to be a little bit more vulnerable. So there's that delicate line that you need to kind of learn how to dance with. It's like, okay... I, let me handle this one mm -hmm. mm, might need a little bit of help here and learning that nuance there is really a real powerful skill i think um so that's good yeah that's dope. well um, said well said great addition there's i mean for me i i'm i'm in bc right now um I'm, I'm, i came out here to help my uh help some family out and just there's a, there's a calm in 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 bc that i've always felt like when you come here there's just a level of peacefulness and calm um and i think that that what the city offers is what i'm feeling right now like there's a there's a level of peacefulness and calm with my thoughts with my steps um but in the same in the same token it's almost it's almost like my actual real experience feels really hectic and the city mm. has forced me to like you're not you're moving at a speed that we don't move at so you're gonna join us so whatever, all of that, it kind of feels like when you go, go to a 
like a like a party or you're going to an event that has a, a very specific experience, you can actually bring how you're feeling into it because it's so powerful. The experience is so powerful that you have to kind of get in line with what's going on there. Like your real experience can't exist right now. This is the experience we are curating. And I feel like it's kind of a perfect storm because I'm like exploding inside, but the city is like forcing me. It's like, you just drive and it's just trees and nature. And it's like an overwhelming feeling of like, calm down, kid. What, what's going on with you? Relax. <laughs> like I, I even like, I'm, I'm like driving the speed limit. Like it's just, everything is just, there's just no rush. Like I'm like, calm down. What am I doing? Um, so even though I have this internal go, 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 it's like a forceful type of like universe being like, slow down, kid, calm down, think, you know? So it's been cool. It's a, it's been a cool, nice shift to have like an environment, a whole city, just be breathing, calm down. Where in Toronto, you wake up with an experience and it gives you a completely different experience, right? It almost fuels to your point, the nerves. It's like Toronto fuels your nervousness where, you know, Vancouver is trying to tell you to take a deep breath, um, True. which is, you know, a really cool difference. But I think, I think I'm really, I am breathing into that right now. And I think that is controlling how I, my overall feeling. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely feeling more peaceful. I'm definitely feeling more uh, calm and a lot of acceptance. I feel like because I'm running rap, like I'm, there's a lot of experiences happening for me all at the same time, but the city is forcing me to calm down. The only way around both those two is to accept what's going on, you know? That's how, that's what it's, that's, that's, that's been the, the way to kind of just calm down, right? Cause when mm -hmm. you're hectic and someone's telling you to calm down, the only thing you can really do is accept that it's hectic right now and I'm going to choose to calm down. Um, so I feel like it's, it's forced me to surrender and be more acceptance of accepting of my situation and what I'm navigating and all of those kind of things. So yeah, be, love the city, man. Mm -hmm. Love the city for that reason. Um, but also hate the city for that exact same reason. Yeah. Because when I want to go, I want to go. Um, and uh, the, the overwhelming feeling of calmness all the time is to me like, okay, let's do something mm. though. Like once I'm, once I'm ready to go, I, I, I like the ambition and the, and the, and the, I would say like the dreamer atmosphere of Toronto. Um, but yeah, both these cities represent completely different energies and they're, they're both like the yin and yang of life. I think so. Super mm. cool. Mm -hmm. Love that. That's a great share. And I think it has a bit of a nuance into the conversation today, but, um, uh, that's a bit for another conversation. Just the idea of, uh, you know, a past episode we had was finding your edge might be resting and, uh, doing that other kind of experience rather than kind of getting to it. And so, being in that slow down nature type vibe. Yeah. I definitely resonate with the last part you said around sometimes there's almost too much relaxation. Like you just don't know what to do with it. And I, I am sitting in those kind of pockets. Like there's an opportunity to rest and relax all of the time. So I have to make the conscious decision to figure out how that step works, what the next direction is, what's the next best decision for me. And uh, really ask you to step into different parts of yourself throughout the day and uh, figure out how to balance them both and, and make it work for you in ways that serve you and serve where you want to go. So love that share. And for those who are listening, mood check, checking in on your mood, how you feeling, what's your emotion, see if you can put language to it. And uh, it's the reason we do it is to inspire all of you to kind of get in check and just be sure that we're aware of it. 
And that brings us to our conversation really well. I think being in tune with our emotions, being aware of what's going on in our experience and, you know, with winter coming up, being in the season of getting dark. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say before you, before you go into the conversation, because I don't think we've talked about this enough. Let's go back to the mood check for one second. Mm. You always say this and I'm always like, I love that you say that, Hey, you know, checking on your mood. Checking on the people around you's mood too. I just wanted mm. to add that. If if ask other people how they're doing and actually listen. You know, ask ask the people that you care about. Call somebody and, and and check on them. You know, I think that we always say check on yourself and check on your own mood, but I wanted to add that today. Call somebody else and, and, and say and say what's up and, and mean it. You know, ask them how they're doing and listen and see if you can, you know, create a, a real conversation just around how they're doing, you know, in that current state. So I always love that you say check in on yourself and I we just wanted to add that last bit there. So mm. go ahead and go into today's, today's episode. <laughs> well said. That's uh, an episode in and of itself. I like it. So today's concept is being alone versus being lonely. So winter is coming, my friends, and the dark, the cold, this, this is a time of year that can be quite lonely. You can't really just go for a walk and see people going and attending events. It's a little bit difficult. You got to maybe trudge through the cold or less people are really being active. It seems very much like a, a sleepy time where you do sleep in because it is darker and daylight savings has changed and the season difference between even just fall and winter is so vast. It's so different. And the sun just really, you don't get that vitamin D in many places. You know, me being from Calgary, the sun, it felt like was never out. And it's one of the sunniest cities in Canada. So if even in that context, it felt like this is such a dark time. And with that comes being alone or feeling lonely and it can be difficult, not only in the times when winter comes, but also when we are making conscious decisions to make changes in our lives, when we are taking on a different type of growth or expansion or even career. When you switch careers, sometimes you find yourself feeling that same sense of being alone because you don't know anyone. And it's a completely different circle. It's a completely different environment. And then you take in context with friends and family and like acquaintances. Anytime you make a change, you send a ripple effect through yourself outwardly to the people around you. And that might mean they don't stay, or that might mean that your type of relationship has to change. And that can also feel like you're almost alone in it because you weren't who you were and who are you now? There's a lot of identity also wrapped around being alone versus being lonely. So. Initially, when we were planning this episode, I was trying to think of the difference for me and what being alone meant versus being lonely. And to start the conversation, to me, being alone, uh, it felt like that was the predominant answer. It felt almost as if I have correlated being alone with feeling lonely feels like I match the two. I combine the two initially. That was my thought that came up. And I said, well, hold on. Like there's gotta be a difference. And so I compared it to my current experience of being in Costa Rica 
and I'm here with my partner. So physically I am not alone. And I think emotionally I'm definitely also not alone, but the feeling of loneliness creeps in sometimes because of the distance of being so far from people, from being far from uh, the community that we had, being far from friends and having to make calls on FaceTime and calls on, you know, WhatsApp video. And it has such a different feel to the emotional side of those conversations. It's just through a screen. So it's connected, but it's not fully connected. And so then I said, okay, well, I'm not alone. There's people here. I can find people, but it still kind of creeps in a little bit. So to put simply like my, my current experience feels, um, like it applies to this concept so well. And I think that's maybe even why I had some resistance initially to having the conversation is because part of me is like, well, I have my partner and we're here doing this together, but that feeling of being you know, lonely or feeling alone still kind of creeps in. So that's kind of my initial representation of this conversation. Um, I've kind of coupled the two to start. Does that resonate with you at all? Does that sit with you at all? What's that like to hear for you? I understand mm. why people couple it together. Um, but I think in my personal experience, I've, I've felt both at their extremist extreme versions mm. and I have felt them both in different capacities at the same time. I felt being alone intentionally and I felt being alone unintentionally and I, and I felt, you know, loneliness, um, in a way where I've accepted it. And I understood it was kind of a moment of time and a way where it felt like never ending. It felt like it was no, mm. never going to, you know, escape that feeling. So for me, it's like I have had nuances where I've experienced both of these feelings and they, they haven't felt the same. You know, you could tell that there was a difference. Um, it almost it goes as early as you to me, like it's a spectrum. Sorry to interrupt, but it feels like you just described a bit of a spectrum here. You said the extremes and to me in my head that said, oh, okay, I like that because it works well with like the pendulum swinging narrative that we use sometimes where like you can swing heavily into being alone where you're so ostracized, you can't see a person in sight or you feel like so lonely regardless of if like people are around or you're part of a community, it doesn't matter. That's just the depth of how you're feeling. Um, kind of feels like there's like a, so many nuances between those two experiences. Mm -hmm. I love that you just said something at the end there of you could be, you could be around a lot of people and being alone. That is that, that's the reason why, you know, it, it's different. It's not a physical thing, mm -hmm. right? When, when you are around a bunch of people and you have this pounding feeling in your chest of just, I feel so alone that's where you start to learn about what loneliness actually is. You know, mm -hmm. it's, and the, the quick definition that I, you know, I read that resonated to me more was, you know, being alone kind of felt like your physical state and being lonely felt like your emotional state. And that's why you can be in a very, very physical area with around a lot of people and feel so empty and it's because you're emotionally alone. You feel like you're not seen. You feel like you're not understood. You feel like you're not loved. You're not cared for. And, and that's a completely different experience. I remember when I was my first kind of real understanding of being alone was when I was young, my, my family was moving to back to Vancouver and I chose to stay in Winnipeg. And that decision was the first time I understood. I'm like, Oh, that house that I used to come to where there's just like people all the time. 
It's going to be nobody. It's going to be me. Right. And physically, I was like, whoa, this is a lot of being physically alone. And I was like, I just turned 18. Like I was a kid. I just graduated high school. So you go from a high school where there's kids everywhere running around all day, every day. You leave that, you go to your house, there's like cousins around, there's family around, there's always just, there's always somebody home. I've never, there's barely any times you come home, there's nobody. To like a couple months later being like alone, physically so alone. And and the other part that added to that was all my friends were still in high school. Like I was kind of one of the older, I was like a 91 and a lot of my friends were like 92s. So they were like still going to like chemistry 30s. And I was like, I graduate. I don't know what to do now. Like I'm just in this abyss. All my friends are still in high school and I'm graduated and I'm supposed to go to university, but I don't feel ready for university right now. I just remember being like, man, this is so I just, I escaped that feeling like you wouldn't believe I, never chose to be alone. I would stay at work extra long. I would be, I'd do other people's side dues just to not go home. I would go to my friend's house. I would go back to the high school that I went to. at like lunchtime just to like have lunch with the boys. And then I would like be like, all right guys, I guess you're going back to school. Like I'll see you guys later. And I would just like, and then it was just this weird feeling of, Oh, I just w- would never be alone. I just never accepted that feeling. I was like, Oh, physically there's nobody around. I'm going to make, I'm going to change that. Right. And so that was my first initial kind of understanding of what being alone feels like, but it felt very in your control. So like, you know, you could physically change that state. You can just be around people, you know, and I'm also speaking from a more of an extroverted socialite type of personality type. So for me, it felt easy to just go and change that physical surrounding. I could just go see the boys or go play basketball at the gym or do something to be around people. But I remember half of that year, I didn't sleep at home. Like I didn't actually accept the feeling of being alone. I would, I manufactured my own environment purposely to avoid that feeling. Now, fast forward. Now I manufacture the opposite. Now I like, I try to manufacture being alone physically. And I think the big shift in there is when I was younger, I was escaping the thoughts that had to kind of, I one, I didn't know what to think about. Right? I'm too young. I don't know what I want. I don't know who I am. I don't know. I don't, these aren't questions that I wanted to engage in or understand or get better at. I'm literally a child, but now that I'm older, the reason why I think I manufacture, like I'm off, I'm off social media. I take big breaks. I like try to quiet the noise. I try to quiet my surroundings so that I can go inside is so that I can face those questions. Where are you going? Who are you? What are you doing? Right? It, it is really kind of manufactured. It's really kind of shown itself in a more of a self-development type of space, right? For me being alone now represents taking time, thinking, strategizing, who is Anwar? What do I want to become? And when you're constantly getting away from that environment of being alone, I feel like you give the world an opportunity to continue to write stories for you. And you, you never really get to know who you are because you're always involved in other people's environments. You're physically always never alone enough, long enough to understand who you are. You just kind of always, so you become essentially what that environment you're always chasing is because you're never really, never really making a decision for yourself. 
And I remember having, having to shed some of those like parental structures as well. Like when I did choose to be alone, it was like, why do I think that? Who put that, who put that there? I don't like that there. Actually, I like this over here. And it really was the original building blocks of, okay. And, uh, I know I shared the example there and I'll toss it back to you right now, but so the beginning, it was, I ran from the feeling. And then the end there was I, to the current day, I manufacture trying to be alone, but there was a while there where I was just kind of stuck. Like in the, in the transition of that was like the time where I'm trying to run from the feeling and no one's answering. Right. Hey man, can I come over now? Nah, I got dinner tonight. I'm like, okay. Hey. And then you realize, and then you just have to struggle through a couple nights alone. And it's like horrible, but it kind of plants the original seeds of like, this is what happens when you just take some time. Mm. And I remember, remember not loving the feeling, but being curious about it. Like every time I had a weird alone moment, it was like, why do I think that? Why do I think that? I don't like being here that long. I hope this ends really soon, but interesting. And I'd go chase it, escape it, escape it, escape it. And then I find myself in a situation like that again, where I have four days at home by myself and I'm like, oh, I need people. But I guess while I'm here, what am I thinking about? And I would mm. play that game. And then I kind of got addicted to mm. the, what am I thinking about? You know, then I kind of was like, <laughs> yeah. hey man, I know you want to come over, but I'm, I'm like thinking right now. You know what I mean? Like, I, one yeah. second, can we hang out on the weekend? Like, I'm, 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 I'm enjoying this right now. <laughs> so it's weird how it's kind of flipped itself on its head, but... Uh, that's what being alone mm. represents to me. Being lonely is a whole nother conversation. Mm. Where do I start with that story? A question came to me a while ago about the beginning stages of it all. And you were talking about how you would uh, seek out the people and do ex the extra side duties and um, just constantly try to be doing something where people were around. In that moment, would you equate that to feeling alone or uh, feeling lonely? Alone, alone. Yeah, I, felt, yeah, I felt, just felt like you were physically alone. At the time, alone. I had community. Yeah, at the time, I had community. Mm. Like at the time, I was ingrated in the basketball community in Winnipeg. At the time, I was ingrated in my restaurant. So the the working restaurant relationships. At the time, I had all my best friends were still in the city. So it was, it was just, I had to fill the space of being alone with like the things that were, and when I was in any of those environments, I was electric, you know, and I was on a basketball court in the community of, you know, I felt really good. So to me, it was not, a, it was not a feeling of being, I was not alone. I wasn't lonely in any regard. My phone rang, people answered when I called, people called me. It was not a lonely time at all. Um, I, I, mm. it was maybe an uncertain time because I didn't know what I was going to do next, but there was a lot of very right. obvious answers next, you know, go to university, you know, when you're 18, there's a couple obvious things you can do. There's a lot of sheep stuff you can do. You know, mm. if you don't want to think for yourself, there's a lot of societal things to do. I think it's after university where it's not as much, the world isn't as directive and it gets mm. really confusing, but at 18, there is a lot of like direction that people are pointing you in. You should do this. You should do this. You should do this. So like your plan B's are all figured out. It's just what plan A do you have? Mm. Um, so at that point there was really no real feeling of being, I did feel the only sense of loneliness I felt I would say during that time was I was navigating a world that I couldn't get advice from what it felt like. like I was like, what's rent? 
Like, how are people paying for these bills and going to school? Like, these questions, I was like, how are people doing this? Like, I was 18, right? So for me, it was like, mm. am I the only one going through this right now? Like, who else has to do this shit? Like, who else has to figure out how to be an adult, go to school? Like, and I'm looking around my surroundings and people are still getting packed lunches from their parents. So I was like, whoa, this is, I feel really isolated <laughs> in this experience. But mm. I was working at a restaurant. So there was older people. There was people that had rent and there was people that, so I just kind of, I was like, okay, well, there's obviously people pay rent. So they're just a lot older than me. It's just not at the age that I did it at, but you know, there's 25 year olds that work at this restaurant that pay rent. So, you know, there, I knew that it was possible, um, mm. but no, it was more the feeling of being alone, I would say. Got it. Okay. So something that Anwar and I both deeply value in our lives is personal development and not just talking the talk, but also walking the walk, which is one of the fundamental reasons why we created this podcast is to support you in having the tough conversations and then feeling confident and safe to take new action with this new knowledge. So what we've decided to do to support you in this is we've partnered with Men's League, a men's mental health platform whose biggest focus is to make a systemic shift in how we view what being a man is and what masculinity entails. Their mission is to provide a diverse group of like-minded men with a support system surrounding their mental health, their physical health, their financial aptitude, and their personal relationships. Men's League is a space where you commit to improving yourself. You commit to improving your mental health and becoming a better man. So what does Men's League offer? Well, let's get into it. First and foremost, they're a private community for men, which includes a chat forum and also monthly Zoom calls where you come together, discuss a topic, and you just partake in conversation with other men. I've taken part in so many of those. They're one of my favorite things. Mental health check-ins. So this is huge. This is unlimited 45-minute sessions with mental health professionals. Incredible. You always have that help at your access. Discounted one-on-one and group coaching services a whole mental health resource library to help you manage your day-to-day and real-life issues, exclusive membership offers. This is cool. They have discounts for men's clothing and health products. And this is my personal favorite part because I've partaken in it a lot, is professionally made online self-development courses that you can take at your own pace. They're always available to you. And they'll help you with your relationships, your physical health, and your financial aptitude. So if you're looking to get involved, we in Men's League are excited to offer you a 50% off of your first year membership. To do, to join the league, go ahead and click that link in the bio or go to mensleague.com. And don't forget to enter a promo code MODERNMASK50 and get access to everything they have to offer. Men, we see you, we hear you, and we are standing tall beside you in this arena of misunderstood masculinity. It's interesting kind of hearing the progression of it, the whole story that you went from kind of knowing that you were in it and then also knowing that you wanted it. Like there was that weird distinction uh, or just kind of separation between the two, which I think speaks to uh, the way that I translate it to me is the lone wolf journey in many ways taken to the extreme is just being a lone wolf as a man, feeling the need to do it on our own feeling incapable of seeking out help and seeking out friendship and seeking out support and and even just asking someone to hang out 
can be difficult when you're in that lone wolf journey because it feels as if then you're incapable of handling things on your own. You're incapable of living fully on your own. And so you kind of separate yourself from it. And the reason that I speak to all of that so in depth is because I remember so many times in my past where like, I wouldn't even call people. Like I would, I wouldn't even call my friends that I did have because in my head, I said to myself, well, um, I don't want to admit that maybe I'm having a difficult time. So we can't talk about that. And, you know, I don't really feel like talking about my job. So what are we going to talk about? And so then it said to me, well, I, there's really no point in talking and there's no point in calling. So I just wouldn't call. And then some part of me would hope that they would call, that they would initiate that so that I didn't have to, I didn't have to move through that discomfort that I had felt around being perceived in some way. Maybe it was weak or incapable or needy even could come up in that space as well. I didn't want to seem like I, I needed that conversation. It just wasn't, yeah, I don't know. It, it's a very interesting thing, but I speak to it cause that's my experience. And, uh, it's been difficult because of what I, what happens in that is that I put, I found that I put myself in the position of feeling lonely because I wasn't willing to reach out and have conversations and just catch up. Um, I almost created the feeling of loneliness for myself when I knew I had people, I just refused to make that call. I refused to connect in that way out of fear of, like I said, being weak or not being able to handle it, or maybe even admitting that I am feeling alone. Um, it just didn't seem like a plausible experience to me. Um, so that adds more layers and context for me in this conversation in regards to the difference between being alone and feeling lonely. And we've kind of caught that nuance throughout the conversation. And in preparation, we, we had that a little aligned already, but the way we've been phrasing it is being alone versus feeling lonely. And even when I asked Anwar the question, I said, Hey, did you feel lonely? And we haven't actually described that, but I'm hoping that you've picked up on that context as a listener in that um, being alone is a very unique experience and that you're physically alone and there's pros and cons to that. And then feeling lonely, feeling loneliness is the emotional state that you're moving through, that you're going through, that you're feeling in that moment. And that's why you can be with people and feel lonely still. You're not actually physically alone. And if there's anything in my eyes that you take from this conversation, it's that distinction of understanding in this moment, am I just physically alone or am I actually feeling the sense of a loneliness, which Anwar beautifully attested to being people don't care. Uh, they don't have love for me. It doesn't matter whether I call or whether I don't. No one reaches out to me, so I must just be on my own. It's created from more than just physical loneliness, being physically alone, which I love because when I think about those phone calls I didn't make, it was almost this like sick reaffirmation of self that no one cared. You know, like if I was, if they weren't calling me, then it reaffirmed some sort of like deep belief in me that, right, that's right, because I'm alone. Like I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on this on my own because no one calls me. So. I got this, you know, like it was a wild mirroring experience for me. 
um, yeah, that's, that's honestly, that's all of the, the ways my brain was cycling through as you were describing your like step-by-step experience. I love, I love what your brain picked up because it's, it's when you talk in long winded stories like that, there's so much that you're hearing and seeing and feeling. And I want to kind of gravitate towards the back half of what you shared there at the end, this kind of creating your own loneliness. I think that's a man's problem. You know, I think that's definitely more of a masculine problem because if we don't feel comfortable picking up the phone when we're in those kind of darker times, because that's not what we want to talk about or we want to share about, or you now feel like this, you're moving through a really hard chapter and you're not willing to kind of allow anybody in. And then now you have this overwhelming feeling of loneliness, you know? And I wonder how much we have, how much control we have in that experience. Right. Mm. I talked about manufacturing being alone. Could you argue that you're manufacturing being lonely as well? If you're choosing to not share, you're choosing to not express, you're choosing to not like, you know, for me, it's interesting, right? I have a lot of, I have a lot of friends who are women. I have a lot of friends who are men and my friends who are women who have are in my life. If they have a problem or they're going through something, they'll just pick up the phone and the conversation will just get to the point that it needs to get to. Like they'll pick up the phone on the drive home from a stressful situation that just happened and then just like offload or, you know, they're, you know, they, they'll get it off. They'll get the words out of their, off their chest. They'll call, Hey, are you doing anything? No. What's up? So this really annoying interaction with so-and-so and blah, 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 and da, 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 and da, da, and like offloading, right? Getting it off, getting it out, getting in the public, right? Or I'm just, I've just really been struggling this week. Like, well, and this is why we keep talking about how women are so good at just getting it off their chest, offloading information, creating, a, being not scared of the perception of how the feeling is being perceived, but prioritizing moving through it. And not letting it just sit, mm-hmm. and I picture that same car ride with a with with a, with a, you know a man or one of my male friends. And it probably is like them, you know, maybe screaming in the car, punching the steering wheel, you know, definitely not picking up the phone call to call a homie. Definitely not. I'm just gonna like swallow that thing down, push it to the floor, right? Uh, and then now, and then, and then, and then, oh, what face, what mask do I got to put on? Cause I'm going into, you know, either my, my, my partners in the apartment or, you know, I'm going to go hang out with the boys and I, I don't want them to hear or feel anything. So what mask am I going to chuck on to be like, yeah, I'm actually in a great mood. You know, I'm vibing, right. I'm going to go when do they, when I sit with the boys at wing night and, you know, I'm being asked my mood check. I'm just going to reach for the last positive feeling that I had. <laughs> oh yeah. This week's been great. I hooped on. Sunday and um, I did this and I did this. Meanwhile, <laughs> one hour ago, you just got like some horrible fucking news, you know? And it's like, this is the, these are the times where I, I wonder, okay, we're alone. You might be feeling loneliness, but how much are we contributing to that? And how much of that is our societal stigma of we don't share, we don't talk, we don't, we don't do this. We don't do that. And now we've pushed ourselves into a corner of, of loneliness um, it's a very interesting nuance and dynamic because I think that loneliness and that emotional state feeling does come from being like, feeling like you're not going to be understood, feeling like you don't feel seen, feeling like you can't 
express how you're feeling as if it's a one in one experience. A lot of the, you know, these masculine qualities we're trying to break down, you know, um, and I understand that sometimes sharing those things, we had that conversation about the move check earlier, right? With the nerves, it's like, what part of the line do I need to like, just, I can handle it. And what part of the line can I not handle it? I think we've all gone really, really good at understanding of just accepting one option. I have to handle it. And I'm not talking from a very empty place. When I say this, I burden a lot of, I burden a lot of emotional stuff with my own life, with, you know, friends with, you know, I, I do will take on the load of burdening things mm. and I am guilty as charged sometimes for pushing that thing to the floor and then, and then expressing a feeling of being lonely when, you know, I have, I do have people around me. I do have people that I can lean on. I just haven't maybe found the right words or the right way to want to share that experience with. Um, but yes, I think in that capacity, sometimes we are our own enemy and, mm -hmm. and, and it's, it's, it's from a makeup of masculinity that we haven't addressed fully yet. Um, and I actually think, unfortunately to bring this to a somber point, the one in every three men that are committing suicide, I think if we can't deal with this stigma to, 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 to Patty's point, if we can't deal with this stigma of men being able to just, you're going through it, my dude, just, let's just talk about it. Let's just get some ideas out there. Let's get it off your chest. Let's start working through some things. You might find that all these games you're playing in your own mind of I'm alone. No one cares about me. No one's this, no one's that, no one's that might not be true might not be true just giving some air to breathe after that one because i think there's so much potency to everything that you just described as our experience as men in regards to what this is actually like and it's funny there's also a running joke on the other side of how easily we actually do make friends. That's the hilarious paradox of this. You know, there's this perception that a man can just make friends with whoever, whatever kind of man at any point. And, you know, I think that's true. I do think that's true. I think that uh, I can meet a guy and, and say like, you want to grab a coffee? And it would be nothing. Like it wouldn't even be a question to go, bro. Hey bro. You, you like sports? Yeah, I like sports. Cool. Well, we're friends. Like it doesn't, there's no questioning. Right. And I think the, where the stigma really comes in that you represented there is that, uh, the relationships that we do build the running stigma that we quote unquote, make friends easy. 99% of those friendships are very surface level interactions. 99% of them have no depth. They have no real human emotional connection. It's literally just based off of a sport or a job or a family problem or children. We both have children. So let's bond over that or just very simple, simple things that don't get to, or don't feel like they allow us to call and talk about a tough time or even call maybe sometimes at all. And, you know, I think that something that just came to me is it's funny that we, we talk about this in this way. If I'm going through it, I should call. And then at the same time, it's like, when you're not going through it, do you, do you also still call though? 
like when things are going good, when you're having a good time, when thing like you're enjoying yourself, do you still call to just hang out? Or is there only the pressure to call when you're doing bad? I don't know. It feels like there's an interesting little nuance there that maybe isn't being discussed as much as it should be. Um, but at the same time, there was something that came back to me. There was this, this crazy quote, and I don't know who spoke it, but I know it kicked me in the face. And it had to do with the idea of what it means to be a man. And I think that persists deeply into this conversation of, of feeling lonely. What does it mean to be a man? And the way that they described it was that um, what it means to be a man as society has defined it is everything that's not a woman. And I remember hearing that nuance and thinking to myself, okay, well, yes, like there's obviously the paradox, you're a man and she's a woman. So there's going to be that difference, but we're out here fighting to try to define what a man is and fight for being a man. And so many of us have no idea what that means. We don't understand it. It's the, one of the most revolving questions to exist right now. And the reason is because it's societally conditioned into us to be everything that a woman is not. So you can't be emotional. That's the easy one, right? You're not allowed to be emotional because women are emotional, simple, dead it right there. Then what? What else are we not allowed to be essentially? Don't be, um, this is going to sound blunt and this is not in an attacking way, but don't be a pussy. That would be a woman societally speaking. That's how that phrase came through. Don't be a pussy. So essentially don't be a woman. Don't be a girl. We even hear that narrative growing up. Don't be such a girl. So it's as if like our whole life has been built based off of what we're supposed to not be. So we have no context of who we are supposed to be, how we are supposed to react, right? Don't call your friends because it might sound like drama because that's what girls do. We don't talk about drama. But what we're having a problem with right now is the fact that we're not talking about it. So is it really drama or is it just the expression of self and the real true emotions of a human being? You know, what's the differentiator? And I'm, I don't speak from being any better than that. I don't, I don't call my friends either guys. Like I'm just I'm right beside you, not calling people. Um, but I just find it fascinating that that narrative even existed. And it speaks to this concept of, of being lonely, right? We don't have depth. We don't have definition and we don't have the, the drive to want to express ourselves in the true trueness of who we are. We just want to push through, do it on our own, rely on our partners. If we're in a relationship to do all the heavy lifting emotionally for us, uh, because we won't face it ourselves. And then we find ourselves in that position and that's tough. That's really, really tough. Um, and then it gets dark <laughs> and then winter comes and it all becomes even harder, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a vicious cycle. It is a vicious cycle. Something that, you know, is not really relevant to the conversation, but you said there that when you're talking about the don't be a girl. You know, I pictured, let's say an adult figure saying to a young boy, don't be a girl. And this, even though the messaging is very clear there, you know, don't be a girl. What I just saw for the first time was the ripple effect of, if you tell me, don't be a girl, then that means, okay, I have to be something else, which is whatever the man is in this example. 
But when I grow up, if I see someone in a position where I was told not to be a girl and that person is a girl or a woman, I'm going to be like, Hey, you, you can't do that. You're not supposed to be here. It's almost like a conditioning from a childhood perspective of like, if you've been told don't be a girl when you're faced with some experience and then you fast forward and a woman is trying to engage in that experience, well, your knee jerk reaction is going to be, you can't be here. Cause I was told that I can't be a girl mm -hmm. to be here. So you shouldn't be here. Yeah. Right. And it's like, wow, what a crazy psychology to think about. Cause I'm, I'm not even saying that because I'm, I'm saying, Hey, I got told that I needed to be a man to be here. And I fought for this experience. And now a woman is trying to come for this experience. And you're like, listen, I was literally the reason why I got here was I was told to not be you. So you definitely <laughs> can't be here. <laughs> And then now 100%. you're like, it's, it's like, you're weirdly got to break this weird cycle. Right. And it's like, whoa, for the first time, I'm like, whoa, that is, that was like mm. a potent type of like moment. Like mm -hmm. the reason why we might be resisting some of this change is because that we were, in, we were motivated by using the opposite sex against us to get to that place mm -hmm. in the first place. Right. Like it's the reason why I'm like here, or the reason why I'm even <laughs> I was going to say the re it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes that I speak to my clients about is that um the things that we can't accept in others are the things that we can't accept about ourselves. So if our partner in our experience is crying or having a big emotion, it's more our resistance to it is not because we think that it's bad, but because we don't accept it within ourselves. We can't accept them to cry because we won't cry. We can't accept our own tears. We can't accept their anger because we can't accept our own. Uh, we can't accept their pain or their struggle because we can't accept our own. Uh, I love that phrasing. And I'm glad that we kind of got there because I do think that it speaks to this, still this conversation of like the struggle. Like if people around us are struggling, what's missing here is not just our own experience of being lonely and feeling, uh, being alone or feeling lonely. It's also about uh, if we, aren't willing to understand that about ourselves, then how are we going to help um, the brother who comes to us and says, I'm feeling lonely? Right? Like, what about that side of this conversation about when we get the phone call, when someone has been willing to reach out, like, do we feel equipped to be able to help them? Do we feel like we're going to be in a position to have that conversation? Or are we going to come from the position we've done towards ourselves, which is just try to pretend it doesn't exist? And, you know, well, it's fine, bro. Like, you got it. Like, are we just going to come from that lens? How do we approach that differently? That's an interesting conversation. Oh, definitely. That's definitely an interesting conversation. I think that we all know what it feels like to walk past that person that you know is a little bit alone, you know, and you need to become something. You got to become someone in order to engage that appropriately, right? A lot of people will walk past that person. And that's just the sad reality of sometimes where you can get in, in life where not only is it feel alone inside your physical surrounding feels alone too. And to those people, it feels counterintuitive, but to those people, it's, it's the answer is you got to go inside and you got to start figuring out how to become unapologetically yourself through yourself. Mm. You know, you have to kind of find your, 
because I think in those, in, in that, those times where you feel alone emotionally, you feel alone physically, you're not, you may, you might not be presenting a version of yourself that is being understood because it's not actually understood by yourself. You know, you're not, you're not selling a image or a characteristic or a personality trait that people are feeling like, is that you, or is that just some stuff you regurgitated and spit back out, you know? And when you play this circus act with life where you're just kind of coming out in new costumes all the time, you're going, why isn't this like working? And then you go back inside, you put on a new costume because you think that might work and you come out and, and you do that four or five times. And then you realize, you know, you feel so alone and all these kind of things. Like, I think that there is a desire for like true authenticity in this world. And I think that if you can really, really, really find a way to find yourself and that it's, it's, it's shitty because it feels like oh, more time alone. <laughs> I think if you could find a way to accept yourself and understand who you are, you give yourself the best chance to not be alone. And, and it's, it sounds like you got to go through some loneliness to get there. So maybe you have to be in that space for a little bit longer, but people can tell when you're not being authentically yourself and there's a richness to just seeing somebody, whether you agree with who they are or who they're not, there is a, there's a potency about when somebody is like energetically aligned with who they are and you're like, Hey man, like I see you. That's like, you know, maybe not my flavor of ice cream, but like, I respect that you are that person. And I think that that's, it's, it's becoming an individual that will make you become less lonely, you know, and an individual, literally, I mean like an individual, like a unique specimen, like a one of one, you got to find that about yourself and you got to accept that about yourself and accept that truth. And I hope that that can, you know, start to lead to you coming out of that darkness and you coming out of that loneliness because I am energetically deeply connected with what that feeling feels like. And I know how painful it can be. I know how mentally prisoning it can be. Um, and so I really want that for you. I really want you to find yourself. And so that the world can start to help you. And, and move out of your way more or more or less. But yeah, the real feeling of loneliness and which is why to me, the it's, it's so different from being alone is it's, it can be an overwhelming feeling. It can be a very overwhelming feeling. Um, and, and I'm telling you for sure being silent about it is definitely not the answer. Being silent about it is definitely not the answer. And that's why the narrative here is not like vulnerability. It's just talking. It's just having conversation it can be about anything. I think at this point, we just want to make sure that we're having conversation because uh, once you start a conversation about one thing, it can lead to a completely different thing. As you listen to us, even just work through a podcast, uh, we have structure, but things come up that we don't expect, but we were talking about a specific concept. So you can talk about 
I don't know, sports if you would like to, but at least you're talking and not keeping that experience bottled up. And it may not be that you're struggling or going through it or that you don't know who you are necessarily in that moment, but at least you're having conversations with people because you'll feel that emotional, uh, in my framing, spiritual connection with someone that is in your space and you'll know that you're not alone. So, you know, worst case scenario, you've been talking to this person, so you can probably still call them and even just have a conversation about sports. Cause that's might be in that moment, what you're, you just need a little bit of energy from that specific chat. And that is a beautiful mirror back to me as well in feeling the safety of just having a simple conversation that doesn't always have to be result-based and result-oriented. It can just be a chat and that's it. And that helps in many ways appease the experience of feeling like I'm alone in this world or the feeling of loneliness. Um, just having conversations with our brothers, having conversations with other men. It does so much to uh, who we are, uh, which is beautiful. And it helps us. This is something that came to me as you were speaking. It reminded me, um, is that when you are learning to accept yourself, the way that I love to phrase that is, um, you're building a home within yourself. You're learning how to be at home within. And that way, wherever you do end up going, you're always feeling at home. You're feeling that peace of knowing that you have built that internally and that you have learned to adjust in a way yourself to um, what room you need to be in in that moment. If that makes sense, if that, if that narrative kind of aligns uh, out loud as I speak that and you start to understand that um, you start to understand how to be friends with yourself, right? Being at home with yourself is similar to just being friends with our, with yourself. And um, speaking to my personal journey, like I don't always do that. Even on this trip, this has pulled out so many insecurities of my own that have separated me from my own internal home. And in many ways, I don't feel like I'm friending myself right now. So I, that what that does is it heightens my feeling of loneliness because I'm so scrambled in ways internally that uh, it feels like it's just an, almost an easier connection to getting to loneliness than if I were to feel more at home inside, it would feel less connected. It would feel farther than from each other than it does now. And so how do I learn to work with the things that are currently here with the parts that I have rather than pretend like they aren't there or suppress them, ignore them, berate them, shame them. How do I get out of that and bring more compassion to my experience? And that's difficult. Goddamn work. That is hard ass in the dirt work. That shit is in the sand. You were trying to build a castle and there's no water. So the freaking uh, the castle you're trying to build keeps falling apart because there's no stickiness to keep it together. And so you got to go somewhere else and find the water and then come back. And it's a trip. You know, it's, it's a bit of a trip. So I don't know if that analogy actually came through very clearly. But what I'm getting at is that accepting self um, is hard as shit. And especially when your entire life, you have been told to be something else. So you don't even know what you're accepting at this point. You don't even know what there is to accept. Am I accepting what 
I was told? Am I accepting what I'm trying to create? Um, what is it that I'm even getting in touch with? Um, it's hard ass shit. And I'll, I'll give one little caveat, one little inner like to it in my head. It's the first thing that you should try to connect to is the little version of yourself is your inner child. And that's a larger conversation. But in my eyes, the greatest way that I've learned how to accept myself is by first learning to accept him. And that was difficult, but the most profound part of my journey, because then I realized, oh, like I'm actually not alone in here. Interesting. Okay. This is interesting. And I thought I was definitely alone. So then you start to build a home internally in a different way, which definitely helps your relationships. That's for sure. I can definitely attest to that. There we go. And rant. <laughs> build your internal home. That is some potent shit right there. My God. I think that. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to just, I mean, a lot of problems could have been solved if I had heard that or seen that somewhere, you know, I think building the internal home, you know, you're, yeah, you're always thinking about building your empire outside of yourself, right? What am I building? What am I building around me? What am I building? Who, you know, the, the, your net worth is the five people you spend the most time with. It's always external. It's always outside of you. It's always outside of you. So I think that, you know, to hear that kind of reframe of like, you know, build that internal home. That's, that's amazing. That is so, so good. That's great. You know, just a framing of thinking about life. Cause what comes to me there too, is someone who's built a home internally, right? Say you've done this successfully. You've built a home internally. You're not someone who can be defined by an experience right? Like how something happens out here. I already have a home inside. So this is just a learning experience for me. Like this is just, Oh, cool. That happened because of that. Awesome. My home is built. So this can't define me like this experience that has happened, this failure or this success or this learning curve or this mistake can't define me because I'm not looking for these things to build my internal home. My internal home is built. This is just, these are just experiences I'm collecting along the way. These are just things I'm learning along the way. But when you don't have an internal home built, these experiences can feel like they are who you are. You know, you can wear them. Like at that point, the internal home is like, there's nothing there. So anything can fill it. Anything can be that your last mistake can be that your last perceived failure can be that your last heartbreak can be that, you know, where if you have an internal home and you have a compass about how you're going about life, you have this thing in, in, internally that's built about you a little bit more of a, a defiant type of foundation inside of you. All of these things outside of you just feel like weather passing by, sunny day, pass by, rainy day, pass by, cloudy day, go on and pass by. You're, you're just weather that's coming up against the house and maybe I have to act a little bit differently. Maybe I put on a little AC or, you know, I, I, I turn on the heat depending on what the weather outside of me is. But like this home is built, baby. It's not, you're not really, nothing out here is changing. So it's, 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 it's such a cool frame because if it's like, if you actually got to that place in life and everything you did about who you are was about building this internal home, you could solve a lot of problems. Then you could solve a lot of the mental game a lot of the self-talk, a lot of the negotiating. And sometimes it's, yeah, sometimes let's say you build your internal home and it's not fully built. 
let's keep this metaphor the same. Let's keep it at home. Like your home doesn't have AC, right? You're building your current home, but like the tool you're missing right now is you don't have AC. Maybe you don't have compassion. And the external world is showing you heat, right? It's like, it's hot. It's 30 degree weather. That could be the friction in your relationship. That could be, you know, the, the, the stress management at your workplace. It could be the, the, the hot weather that's outside of you. And you know, internally what your home is missing is an AC unit and it's compassion. And so you got to work on compassion. And then now this weather is not going to affect you that much, right? Because I know what's missing from my internal home. I don't have empathy. I don't have air conditioning right now in my current home. So let me get the air conditioning so I can deal with this hot weather in a better way. You know? So if everything external is the weather and everything internal is your home, it's like, what tools, what is your house missing? And how do I get it? How do I instill it? How do I build it? And how can I, you know, start to defend myself from this weather? You know, if you have a house with no windows and it's windy as hell outside, well, it's gonna it's gonna cause a little bit of a little bit of a problem. I need to build some windows, right? Mm-hmm. And some of these things are easier to build than others, right? Some of these things are more foundational. You know, the the infrastructure that your house is built on is gonna take a little bit longer than buying an AC unit. So not all tools are the same. Like you know, all tools aren't purchased the exact same. You know, it's gonna take way longer to put the drywall up than it is to, you know, let's say like paint the walls like you know like they're not all the things that you'd use to build your house all the tools that you collect along this journey of life they're not all equal they're not some of them are way harder to obtain than others but they all contribute to the idea of building a foundation that can withstand weather and so i'm taking i'm taking that with me and don't ask me what my takeaway from this conversation is because it's it's that that is my takeaway (laughs) from the conversation is is yeah, you got to prioritize building that internal home, man. That is that is potent, mm. potent. That's a, that was a great. I'll wrap it up there, one. More, I'll wrap it up one more for you. I'll spike it up. I'll add some real juice to it because I, I like how it it came through to me when I said it. I was like, yes, building that internal home. But then I, I referenced it in my head to um, something even grander because I think that a home is a house. And it can be small. And my thoughts were, okay, well, what if, what if you want to build on top of the house? What if you want to build more levels to the house? What if you want to put a pool in the backyard? And then I got to thinking, oh, I like this reference better. Uh, and it's building your inner kingdom. That's that with me in my mind. It's, it's, I'm building my home, but really what I'm building is my inner kingdom. And a kingdom sometimes, not even sometimes, a kingdom is a space for other people to also join you in the creation of, in the building of, and it, it holds the entire space around you in a safe way and in a trusting way and a knowing way that you, in this reference as a king, are the one who is keeping all of this together in that way and that you are um, working with the people, not against the people and just reference any of the great king movies and the great kingdoms uh you can pull at the layers of what you appreciated about the great kings and what you didn't appreciate about the not so great kings and um, you can decide what kind of king you want to be and what kind of kingdom you want to build um within and what that will do is transpire out of you 
And all of a sudden you'll realize that because you built a kingdom internally, all of a sudden on the outside, you also have a kingdom that you have built as well. And you have built this kind of space for the people to come to and to thrive in, in your environment that you have created internally, externally. Okay. I'm done. What's my takeaway <laughs> for this conversation? Cause I think that, uh, um, it, it's a big concept being lonely versus feeling lonely in my head. It's a, it's a big concept and there's a lot of nuances. So what I want to share at the end is to just simply become aware, ask the question, where are you on the spectrum? Where are you personally in your life right now on this pendulum swinging side of things? And why I say ask that question is because like Anwar attested to, there are times where being physically alone is important in that moment and not being physically alone is also just as important in other moments. And if you're on the other side of the spectrum where you're feeling lonely, there's a sense of loneliness about you. The question I'm going to prompt is, is it true? The narratives that have been injected into you into that moment. No one cares. No one loves me. No one is around. If we're taking a real radical, honest look at that experience, like I did in my past, I look back when I felt the loneliest and I realized, no, like I actually wasn't alone. And it was my own unwillingness to make the phone call that was creating so much of that loneliness feeling. And it was taking situations in the past in context of attacks towards my self-worth. And so what is that actual experience that I'm going through and in what ways do I have the self-leadership to maneuver in a way that actually serves me, put it in a position that actually serves me. So if right now it does need to be physically alone because I just need to move through something, no worries. And then if that's what's helpful in that moment, what's the next step that's also helpful and is the current state that you're in unhelpful? Is it not serving you being alone in this moment physically? Is it actually causing you more harm being physically alone in this moment than it is good? And just asking the questions, just getting the questions in your own mind clear, finding that inner clarity, that inner alignment with your current experience. <coughs> so that way you can decide what is the next best decision? What is my next best step here. And maybe it's not calling someone and maybe it is calling someone, but just understanding, like no matter what side of this equation I am on right now, um, so much of it really is um, a choice. And I have to own that as a man taking responsibility for my experience. 100% responsibility for my experience is crucial. And I'll leave it with the quote um, in my head that continues to smack me in the face is that life is not happening to me. Um, life is happening through me. And so how do I help it move through me? How do I encourage it and invite it and support it to move through me um, rather than putting up blocks, putting up my own walls and saying, no, I'm going to stop you dead in your tracks because well, then I might feel real lonely. Powerful. Powerful. So I'll, um, I'll leave with this, as to kind of wrap up, I think what, what you said there, um, cause I think it's a cool reframe to kind of play these two words against each other, be alone in order to not feel lonely. And if you're feeling lonely, don't be alone.
Mic drop, baby. Mic drop. That was great. I really like that reference. Damn. That's going to be a hot take. Listen, that's the end of the conversation for today. Um, if you're feeling lonely, you have us, just so you know. We don't do this to speak to, at you or away from you or from a distance. Um, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're moving through, whether it is a hard time or a good time, we here at Modern Mask are here for you. So you will never be alone as long as we are here on the other side of this uh, microphone speaking to you in your ears. So please know that you have us, that you can reach out to us, email, uh, DM us, whatever you need. And um, we're looking to continue to build community as we move through this. So there'll be a lot of opportunity for you to be a part of uh, bigger spaces, spaces full of men and other brotherhoods. So we're excited for what the future holds and what we're able to create and support you with. So, um, oh, and also like, you don't have to do it alone. Just in case we missed that earlier, you don't have to do it alone. Um, it's actually never alone. Um, that narrative in my eyes is not true. You never do it alone. So how about we just embrace the fact that that's not possible and start to utilize the people around us. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope that it served you in some way. I hope that it supported you in your experience, just knowing that, you know, being alone and being lonely is difficult and, uh, we've both been through it and we have our moments that we struggle with ourselves and we hope to um, have you know that we speak by um, joining the truth. We join you in the truth of this experience. So thank you for listening. We appreciate you. Go enjoy your day. Give us a rating before you go. That would be incredible. Follow us uh, and subscribe to this podcast as well because it does help us reach so much more people, so much more men that may need this specific episode. And we will see you next week. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe. And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember, the K, it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.